Welcome back to the Middle Tech Podcast. Nate Antetomaso and Evan Knowles here. We have an update from a great episode last year. We talked about executives at Facebook and the string of high-profile exits that these executives of even potentially past acquisitions have had. Well, this week, two more announced that they were leaving. What's going on? Welcome back to the Middle Tech Podcast. My name, as always, is Nate Antetomaso. I am joined by Evan Knowles. I'm in Chicago. Evan is in Lexington. How you doing, man? Doing well. It's a good St. Patrick's Day weekend. A lot of fun. Yeah, we're recording on Sunday. Actually, St. Patrick's Day, but I think we both celebrated yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, I think most people did. Yeah, it's tough trying to go to work right after St. Patrick's Day <laughs> if you did it on Sunday. <laughs> yeah. I had a slow morning, that's for sure. Yeah, and then yesterday was the UK game. Unfortunately, they lost to Tennessee. Just had Selection Sunday, though. My my mom is pissed. We replaced replacing the Midwest with uh, UNC as our one seed, and she is like completely mad about that. But I think it's a pretty decent draw. Yeah, I'll take UNC over Duke for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they the thing is, we beat them. We, we actually beat them in Chicago. Me and my mom went to that game. Uh, that was right before Christmas. But then they turned around and beat Duke twice. And then we obviously got destroyed by Duke, so I'm a little worried. Well, Zion wasn't playing. Uh, the... Was it? He wasn't, right? Oh, he got injured the first one, and then he yeah. didn't play at all the second one. He played like 30 seconds in the first one, you're right. Yeah. Okay. that's a, That makes you feel a lot better. I didn't even think of that. That's a great point. Well, okay, so that was basketball talk with Nate and Evan. <laughs> Let's get into it. <laughs> Let's get into some technology stuff. We have an update uh, this week. Last year, we recorded an episode about um, some top executives that were leaving Facebook. We've obviously talked a ton about Facebook on this podcast just because it's it's so defining in the tech world right now. Um, and there's been some news that that has come out this week regarding privacy, which we've talked at length about regarding the executives leaving the company, which we've talked a little bit about. So we, we felt it was kind of time to, to jump back into the story and, and provide a little bit of an update. Yeah, a lot of stuff going on on Facebook right now. Uh, and, and like Nate said, we, we definitely got to keep covering Facebook because uh, it's one of the top three companies in the entire world as far as you know having influence. So whatever they do, the world needs to know the implications of it. So uh, yeah, they're making some major changes. We'll walk you through those. Uh, and and how that's affecting their uh, their executive team. Yeah, so we'll we'll play the uh, the episode from last year. Now we'll go ahead and just pop that in, and then we'll come back at the end, and we're going to give an update. So here is our episode last year about executives at Facebook. So we had been talking earlier this week off air just about Instagram uh, and and the founders leaving Facebook. Um, so we we realized that we wanted to dive into it and look through, I guess, kind of history. It's almost like we did a little bit of historical research here. And what we've realized is that over the years, Facebook has acquired all these companies um, and the the idea is that they're going to run independently. They're going to use the, the power of Facebook and the resources of Facebook, but they're going to stay independent and these founders will be able to run their own companies. Um, but more and more over the last year, Coupled with all the controversies Facebook has been going through, 
it also seems like they're trying to rein in everything that's going on with these subsidiaries. And their three biggest um, acquisitions have all led to very public exits by the founders. Um, And then the fourth one has kind of been under wraps. Um, They haven't really talked about it much, but it seems like the founders are gone and a lot of the staff is gone too. So I think the, the era of Facebook parenting companies is completely changing right now. Yeah. I mean, you know, on a high level, you know, we'll dive into each individual acquisition, but Mm -hmm. at a high level, what's going on is, you know, Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook are acquiring these companies under the impression that they're going to be independent and, you know, come to find out, you know, after a few years of being run independently, you know, slowly Facebook uh, executive team and Mark Zuckerberg work their way inside and, you know, make small changes. And eventually those small changes get bigger and bigger and, you know, it ends up frustrating the founders and they get pushed out, which is exactly what happened with Instagram. Um, and that's what it seems. Think, it seems like that with all of these, that it's kind of over time, like, oh, there's a little disagreement here, a little disagreement there. And then when you're running a business that has millions of users, that just can balloon so quickly. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, but yeah, let's get into the the examples here. Let, let's do um, Instagram last because it's kind of the the biggest one in the news. Let's just go back a little bit. Um, one that really is interesting to me um, to start off is Oculus. Um, you know, Oculus VR. You've probably heard of the Oculus Rift as one of their their products. Um, Facebook acquired Oculus in 2014 for two billion dollars, um, and there were a couple co-founders, but but the biggest guy was Palmer Lucky. He's actually just two years older than us, Evan. He's a young dude. Uh, no, he's, he's a yeah. talk about geniuses. He's he's one of them. Um, but so Oculus got acquired by Facebook. They they came into the Menlo Park campus. All these companies like get their own little offices on the campus, which I think is really cool. Um, it's almost like they're setting up a, a carnival of all these little companies that are just dotted around this this bigger campus. Um, but there was a very public exit of Palmer because of politics, basically. And oh, yeah. rumored, yeah. yeah rumored to be about politics. Um, but Mark Zuckerberg said it wasn't at that congressional hearing. Yeah. I mean, who knows what it was for? But at the end of the day, uh, you know, Palmer Lucky created, you know, a great, great product that makes sense and fits within facebook's long-term vision um at the time based on what i read you know they had the best product in the market as far as what vr was oh for sure Um, and the most accessible one too yeah yeah and so facebook's whole move here whether they try to push out you know the founder or not is to make vr mainstream i don't think anybody has the chance that facebook does to do that Mm -hmm. um and they're rapidly throwing a lot of money into it you know, they're launching new products. They just launched a new one. Uh, it's supposed to be coming out in uh, 2019. Uh, a, new, a new headset that's supposed to be, you know, no wires. You don't even have to plug it into a PC. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's stuff like that that Facebook's trying to push forward and uh, get out into the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, 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 the issue with Palmer Lucky is he, he donated to a bunch of anti-Hillary Clinton um super PACs and organizations and, and whatnot around the 2016 election. Um, and that obviously in the tech community was not popular. Um, 
So there's a big kind of outcry against Oculus and against Facebook and everything. Um, at the when Mark Zuckerberg just testified in front of Congress a couple months ago, he said it was a personnel issue and he didn't leave because of politics. Um, but that definitely impacted the business of Oculus. So my theory would be there's some kind of connection there. Um, but another, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure there was, you know, just like with what we're going to talk about the other ones, there was slowly, uh, you know, the the Mark Zuckerberg and and Palmer were probably slowly uh, distancing themselves from each other because, Mm -hmm. you know, when you get acquired, you have to give up, you know, your independence. You have to give up a lot of your decision making um, over time. And I'm sure that was happening. I'm sure the political stuff didn't help. I'm sure that kind of pushed everything over the edge. Yeah. But overall, you know, long term, Oculus is going to be a huge part of their strategy, whether you know the original founders there or not. I don't think they're yeah. necessarily going to change anything about Oculus, you know. Uh, so they they just did. You, you mentioned they just introduced a new product. They just had the their like annual keynote, basically, yeah. and it was Mark Zuckerberg and a couple other executives at Facebook that were up there giving the presentation and introducing the new products. Where in the past, it has always been the Oculus founders. Um, and so that was a very visual representation of kind of this trend of bringing everything more in-house. Yeah. I mean, I, I it's weird to see that. It's it mm-hmm. kind of, you know, sits weird with me to see a great you know company get acquired and then the founders get pushed out and it's happened, you know, we're going to get into it, but it, it happens with every company Facebook acquires. And yeah. It just doesn't seem right. Um, mm-hmm. There needs to be some kind of synergy there and, you know, teamwork. And it just doesn't seem like Mark Zuckerberg or his, you know, executive team is willing to do that. Yeah. Uh, I have a, I have a point to make on that, but I'm going to save it for the end. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that that's Oculus VR still kind of under wraps, not as under wraps as, uh, and that was their third lar- largest acquisition of all time. Their fourth largest acquisition of all time is probably even more under wraps. It's this company called uh, LiveRail. They do like video advertising. So if you own a website and you have videos on it, you can run pre-roll ads and you can make money um, and you can have really good targeting just like you would on Facebook. So the idea is that Facebook was going to acquire them and build out this thing that they now have called the audience network, which is exactly that. You can target like you do with ads on Facebook, but anywhere online. Um, so LiveRail was supposed to come that, become that, but apparently there was some problem with an integration or something. Um, and they've just kind of been real quiet about it. And slowly over the last few years, last four years, um, a bunch of the staff has left. Both of the co-founders are now gone. Um, and there's really been no news of what's going on with that technology. But if you go to their website, it uh, it redirects to the Facebook audience network. But we know that that came from a different acquisition, that piece of technology that has become the audience network. So that I think yeah. that failed maybe as a business move, but it also failed in a way to make the whole staff exit the company. Yeah, that's really interesting. I don't know much about that. Yeah, and that's intentional. I was doing yeah, the research sure. under this, and they there's like nothing out there. Hmm. Yeah, um, interesting. Yeah, so those are the two kind of more low key um, acquisitions and and big blow ups in the Facebook world. Um, but these next two are are the really big ones. So let's get into WhatsApp. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so I'd like to start like kind of the growth of WhatsApp. Yeah, and what they started as, um, which was just wild. Um, 
I, you know, I, I do a lot of research on a lot of companies and Instagram and WhatsApp, their growth from the time they were started to when they got acquired was just wild. You know, at one point, uh, WhatsApp was getting, I think, a million new users a day, which is That's just insane. crazy. And by the yeah. time they got acquired, they, you know, already had the majority. They were so far ahead of Facebook Messenger that Facebook basically had no choice but to acquire them. Mm. Uh, I read one stat that they processed more messages than the entire U.S. text message technology that the nice. carriers operate. Yeah, which is insane. There's more WhatsApp messages than there are text messages. Yeah, and that's what you know messaging is going towards. It's moving away from you know, a lot of the couriers towards these messaging platforms like WhatsApp, mm-hmm. WeChat, yeah, and services like that. So it's a good move by Facebook to acquire them while they were still the size they were because now they're 1.5 billion mm-hmm. uh, users. And I think when they acquired them, they were around 350 or 450. That's but, that's just an insane insane amount of users. <laughs> like, no, nah, yeah, that's a huge percentage of the world population. Well, and, and, you know, when we had done our research, we have in our notes here that, you know, the founder uh, was an immigrant from Ukraine mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, was trying to create a communications platform because he knew how it felt, you know, to have to communicate uh, from the U.S. to, you know, Russia and Ukraine. Yeah. So that's, that's part of the, I mean, let's get into it a little bit. So I, basically, the disagreement there on a super high level was that there was just a, it seems like a fundamental disagreement between Mark Zuckerberg and the founder. Uh, I, I'm going to mispronounce his last name. Jan Quom. Quom, I'm just going to say Jan. Um, Jan and Mark Zuckerberg had like a, a fundamental disagreement in what was important to them. Mark Zuckerberg's the CEO of a public company. He's running a business. He needs to make revenue. He needs to retain users. Jan was an immigrant from Ukraine and he was trying to communicate two family back in Ukraine. Um, and there's a lot of geopolitical issues with that region of the world. And he was afraid that communications might've been bugged by Russia. Um, they are not private, all these, all these issues. And so privacy and encryption was his number one thing. And he, cre- he set out to create a company that would be completely private and completely encrypted. And he ended up accomplishing that. Um, and he actually accomplished the encryption after they were already acquired by Facebook. They were acquired in 2014 for $19 billion, um, which is absolutely insane. Um, yeah. I mean, he was just starting a company for the pure user experience of communication uh, through Messenger. Yeah. And, and the, the feeling of safety and of absolutely. ease to communicate across the world. Um, but so he, you know, they sold to Facebook and he moved his team into the Menlo Park campus um, and they were working and, and slowly um, Mark just wanted to start doing more business moves and be able to take the user profiles from WhatsApp and integrate them with their greater user profiles to be able to target data, um, to target ads based on all that data. He wanted, there's rumors, he wanted to read the messages so you could target based on what you're saying in your messages, all that kind of stuff. Um, and that obviously was fundamentally opposed to why the company was created. So things kind of, bubbled up between the two of them. Yeah, and this was after Facebook promised, you know, to never do that. Mm-hmm. They promised to always keep the company independent, make sure that privacy and encryption were core to the business. And, you know, eventually, like we, we've been saying all this, this entire podcast, that that trust dissolved over time as more asks were being made. I think the first ask was 
uh, to collect the phone numbers of all the users of yep. WhatsApp and then to collect their uh, device IDs and uh, you know track what kind of devices were being used. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think they did end up doing that while he was still at the company, and that was for security purposes, but then it just kept going um, further than that. And he, he left, and he actually left $950 million on the table um, from unvested stock which is crazy. He, he was that opposed to where the company was going that he would leave almost a billion dollars on the table. And then um, the other co-founder of WhatsApp came out very publicly and, you know, was saying, uh, you know, he's, there's this whole movement after the Cambridge Analytica, uh, you know, scandal that, uh, you know, get off Facebook, delete Facebook. Mm -hmm. And the other co-founder of WhatsApp came out very publicly and said, uh, and actually deleted his Facebook account. Yeah. So that was, you know, definitely a, a strong move on his part. Uh, he even insulted, you know, the Facebook executives uh, on his way out. So it was pretty, pretty messy. Yeah. Um, you know, leave all that money on the table, come out very publicly against, against the, the company that made you a billionaire. Um, and I, I think that's probably the most, not visual, what's where the strongest example of, of this culture that seems to be happening over at Facebook. Um, the promise of independence can't balance with the business needs. And that when you have such a, a core cultural difference, that just can't work out. Yeah. Well, let's get into uh, anything else you want to cover there before we get into Instagram. Because Instagram was a very similar trajectory, but it didn't, it didn't end as messy. But it it definitely has more amplifications of, of where Facebook's going, I think. Yeah, let's get into it. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, just like we've done WhatsApp, I think we should start with kind of how Instagram got started. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just like WhatsApp, Instagram had an insane amount of growth right when they mm -hmm. started. I think after 24 hours, they had a million users. I don't even know how it's possible. That was that was the WhatsApp growth. They had... Was it? Yeah, Instagram yeah, had... Instagram. That way, that was when they launched Android, when they launched the, because it was iOS exclusive at first. Um, mm -hmm. When they launched the Android app, they got a million Android users in 24 hours. Um, but they, they launched as Instagram in like October of uh, 2010. And by December of 2010, they had a million users. So in two months organically, they got that a million. That's wow. insane. That's absolutely insane. Um, and I think that's such a lean team. I don't know. I listen to their <laughs> podcast. And they, I think when they got acquired, they they barely had any employees. Maybe it was, I thought it was like 15 maybe. Yeah. Yeah, they were extremely lean. Um, but they were actually, before they, they were Instagram, they were this app called Bourbon, actually, which is a cool tie to Kentucky. But it was just like a, a social planning and, and social, like, identification app. What, what should I go do? What's the cool thing to do? Um, and part of that app was you could take a picture of what you were doing um, and you could put a filter on it and you could post it and say, oh, look, I'm doing this. And also here's a picture of it. At the time, smartphones were just becoming extremely popular. Everybody loved the novelty of having a camera, but the cameras weren't that good. So you had to filter these pictures to make them look better. So it was kind of the perfect storm. And they realized everybody was using these pictures and it was actually the most popular part of the app versus any of the other social features. So they just said, we're just going to start 
focusing on photos. Yeah. And then they launched his Instagram. Yeah, the founders met at Stanford. Mm-hmm. But of all course, along, they were very well connected. Uh, Jack yeah. Dorsey was actually one of their one of their best friends. Jack Dorsey was an investor early on in the company. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just interesting, you know, all the, that whole group of Jack Dorsey and, and Kevin and Mike just knew each other, and uh, I, I just thought that was really interesting. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Silicon Valley is so much smaller than it, it seems. I yeah, feel like everybody yeah, kind of yeah. is connected. Everybody to everybody out of the same schools. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so they, they launched in 2010, uh, late 2010. And then in April of 2012, they sold to Facebook for $1 billion. Um, so not, you know, nearly the, the biggest acquisition that they, yeah, it's the third biggest acquisition Facebook's done, but probably the most successful over time. Yeah. I Um, think it came out that they're now worth a hundred billion dollars if they wouldn't have been acquired based on their monthly active users and yeah. um, their growth rate, which mm-hmm. is, I mean, that's a hundred X. I mean, that's, that's insane. Yeah. In six years. That's crazy. Um, but where, where am I here in these notes? Yeah. So, so they got acquired and just like all these companies, the story was, you know, they're going to remain independent. They're going to keep their own team, but they'll be able to utilize the Facebook machine. You know, they wouldn't have to worry about recruiting. They wouldn't have to worry about, server capacity they wouldn't have had to do the boring business stuff they could just build a great product and they could build their product that was the story at the time yeah and over time it turned out not to be the case (laughs) and uh they just kept getting asked and and pushed towards you know monetizing the the product Mm -hmm. yeah Uh, and i think a lot of that came and was accelerated because of snapchat yeah, came out. Facebook actually tried to buy Snapchat for for three yeah. billion, which I, yeah would have been interesting how that worked out. They probably would have bought them and just spun it into Instagram. I don't know, maybe or I, know. I could see Instagram not being nearly as popular today if Snapchat was bought by Facebook and can they have basically competing platforms. But I guess they I didn't compete at that time because they didn't do stories. So, yeah. um, but, but anyway, anyway yeah. yeah, that's off topic, but um. You know, it started from what I was reading, it started with like some content issues. You know, a lot of younger people were moving towards Instagram and there was so much more photo sharing on Instagram than there was on Facebook anymore. And Mark Zuckerberg, beyond just the the monetary parts of wanting to put ads where the content was, Facebook's his baby. You know, he created that and he wanted to have content on Facebook. So there was a lot of disagreements of how content that's posted on Instagram should be shared to Facebook, how it should be identified on Facebook as being from Instagram. Um, you know, when you post on, on Instagram, you see like the shared to Facebook thing. Um, that was a big argument. And then when it shows up on Facebook, it used to say Instagram. If you remember that now it doesn't, that was a big argument with stories more recently. You could share your Instagram story now to your Facebook story. Um, it's the same same concept and it doesn't even say that it's an Instagram story. Um, so that's kind of how things started to bubble up between them. Um, and then there was a big personnel shift um, and it, it, the consolidation, I think just became too much for these amazing, amazing product entrepreneurs who weren't in control yeah, of their they, product. Anymore. Well, they took off. Uh, yeah. So I think the the change in the executive group was they took the VP of product off of Instagram and put him in charge of the blockchain arm of Facebook 
then they moved um they moved a facebook executive that was you know mark zuckerberg's right hand man mm-hmm. into instagram's team and that just kind of you know fueled everything going on and eventually got to the point where kevin and, and mike left yeah there was this really cool article i was reading it was called um the Facebook, uh, or not Facebook. <laughs> See, I'm doing it now too. The, the Instagram entrepreneurs have always had great timing. You know, they created this photo app when everybody got a camera. They got acquired when they needed support. You know, they, they have good timing. And it was arguing that while all these issues might be a problem at Facebook, they also just have good timing and know when it's time to move on. And maybe it's just the inevitable. Instagram's not going to be cool in a long time because that's how social media works. Well, I think that's interesting and that's probably part of it because they're such big entrepreneurs and they're such good product people. I think when you have a baby like that, you you don't just leave it because it's not going to be cool in a little bit. Yeah, no, that was definitely pent up frustration and Mm -hmm. lack of creative reign. You know, they weren't allowed to, I'm sure over time their creativity was stomped down and Mm -hmm. they're creative people they're entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs don't like being told what to do you know they just like to be creative and and build stuff and you know if mark zuckerberg is the head honcho there and you know he's the face of the company then there's not room for others there's just simply not you know you don't know anybody else works under elon musk do so eventually over time they just got frustrated and said you know we're too good for this we're going to move on to something else and uh, we're tired of being told what to do so that's just what happened so that's the point I talked about earlier that I wanted to bring up. Um, I think you you said it really well. Um, you don't know anybody who works under Elon. You know, Tesla, SpaceX, SolarCity, that's Elon Musk, the boring company. You think of those companies as just Elon Musk. I think Facebook, we think of that as Mark Zuckerberg a little bit less, um, but we still do. The thing is, Facebook is in the news every single day. Facebook is introducing a new product every single day. Um, And Mark Zuckerberg is one guy. He's one relatively young, first-time CEO guy. And while he did create this thing, is it odd, is it good or bad or neutral that we think of Facebook as Mark Zuckerberg? This whole time we were talking about it, instead of saying the Facebook team, we said Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think over the long run that's going to be a negative i mean cheryl uh you know sandberg Mm -hmm. everybody knows her just because of you know her background uh and coming and you know adding a lot of operational talent to Mm -hmm. facebook but at the end of the day still mark zuckerberg is the guy Um, and i don't i I think that over the long run could be negative you know um it's tough for one person to take on all of that yeah, media attention and burden, especially for a company as big as Facebook. I mean, mm-hmm. if you look at Google, if you look at Google, they made some great hires, you know, on Eric Schmidt. Mm-hmm. Uh, but today, Larry Page is nowhere to be found. Mm-hmm. I mean, nobody knows where he is. Or uh, no, is it Larry Page? It's um, one of the co-founders. Yeah, the other one. I actually don't uh, know that. Sergey Brin. I think it, it's yeah. one of them has disappeared. They literally don't know what he's doing. And again, that's probably because he's one of the figureheads of the biggest companies in the world. Mm-hmm. And it just became too much. And I think over time, you know, Mark Zuckerberg is still really young. Who knows if that's going to happen to him or not. But just having that burn as being the top guy is probably 
lean leans towards negativity. Yeah. And I think it leans towards crazy situations like we talked about with Elon at the beginning of the show. Um when there's that much attention and that much pressure on one person. And while he's not tweeting about 420, he's getting in very public disagreements with a guy he paid $20 billion to. Um, and I think shit just gets messy when it's that consolidated. Yeah. And listen, I mean, Google, they restructured. And eventually, you know, who knows if Facebook's going to need to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Amazon, surely, at one point, is going to do the same thing. I'm starting to think of Amazon as Jeff Bezos. I didn't before. Uh, I I do. Jeff, yeah. I think I think the narrative recently has become more Jeff Bezos. Jeff Bezos. I don't think it used to be like that. I don't know, obviously, how it was operated as a company, but I think more and more he's getting more attention now. Yeah, no, I, I definitely think of them as uh, just Jeff Bezos. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, over time, we'll see if Mark Zuckerberg can take all of that pressure um but so far i think he's you know through all the scandals i mean there's definitely been some some major uh criticism and negative uh, events for facebook but you know from the time he started to now he's done a great job all right so that's what happened last year with facebook Uh, a lot of executives leaving biggest of them probably being kevin the the founder of instagram uh but this this week or this past week actually uh one of their top they they from what I've been reading and, and watching, uh, this is a top four executive within Facebook, maybe top three after um, Mark and um, why am I forgetting her name? Cheryl. Right? Cheryl Sandberg. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this is a major executive, Chris, Chris Cox. Uh, he was the chief product officer. So he was overseeing all of the products. He invented the news feed. Uh, he created the newsfeed, and so this was a really influential person within Facebook. Uh, yeah. And so far, all of his work has been around making it very social, uh, making it uh, open to a lot of people, spreading news, uh, and getting um, you know all those ad dollars in the door by creating this this big platform of um, you know people connecting, whether they knew the other person they're connecting with or not. And this past uh, you know month, Facebook has announced that they wanted to pivot towards a much more encrypted and uh, privacy-focused uh, platform. Mm-hmm. So, so Chris Cox, uh, didn't, I guess, didn't like that. You know, all of his work to date has been around connecting uh, billions of people around the world uh, in, in, in large masses, uh, whether that's the news feed um, or taking over, uh, you know, the product of Instagram and WhatsApp and, and you know, all these different apps that, uh, Facebook has acquired over the years and built themselves. Uh, so switching to more privacy and encryption is obviously against what he's been building all these years. Um, and I actually read that in 2016, him and Mark had had a discussion that you know he was kind of feeling burnt out and you know was looking for other things to do outside of Facebook. But ultimately, at that time, decided you know there's nothing more influential than Facebook. Um, so I guess you know this was the last straw for him, and he he decided it was the last. Um, you know, his last week at Facebook. Yeah. 
I uh, I think that that kind of brings up a, a really good discussion piece because obviously you know the the whole controversy with Facebook recently has just been about that privacy and uh, Mark released a, a big post and and kind of saying that fundamentally Facebook wanted to change to be focused on on privacy which is a huge announcement for for such a major company and if you're having executives leave because of some type of disagreement or, or philosophical non-alignment around that. I, I think that that just shows how how rampant the the not anti privacy but open information culture was that you know very high power high paid technology people are going to leave a company like Facebook because of a renewed focus on privacy that that says a lot about what the attitude used to be. Yeah, yeah, and I, I honestly don't ever see that changing. I mean, even though he's said like we're switching more towards privacy and encryption, mm-hmm. I just can't imagine that coming true like that happening um i actually i actually like what i think there's a lot of things facebook needs to do to improve and create more privacy but i don't think going more towards messaging so uh, they want to go more towards end-to-end messaging and connecting all the apps through a a common messaging platform Mm -hmm. Um, i don't think messaging is is a good solve for their privacy issues i think what facebook does best is connect millions and billions of people around the world in one place. And if you start creating these small groups between just friends or small communities, I think that almost defeats the purpose of, of what Facebook's really ultimately trying to do, which is you know, spread transparency and information around the world so people can have access to it in a really yeah. social way. And so once you start getting small groups and encryption going, um, I, I don't see that aligning with what Facebook was built previously on. Yeah, I I agree with that in the sense of, you know, Facebook was built on connecting people. I remember when you used to log in, it would have a little graphic of the globe and it would have the little people icons and little lines to connect them all over the globe. So obviously the idea is you're you're connecting the world that way. But I think, I mean, personally with my use, if I want to know a news story that's going on or I want to know um, people's opinions about things. I want to I want to see what's happening in, on a game or on an event, whatever. I'm going to go to Twitter and I, I'm going to see what, you know, hundreds of thousands of, of people are, are chiming in about things. People I don't even know will never meet. Facebook is, you know, my my aunts posting pictures and, and stuff like that. And it's it's more of a, a personal connection. And I think that's just naturally, you know, those two have diverged in that way over time. Does it make business sense then for Facebook to to double down and and focus on those close connections, even though that might not be what they were originally intending to do? I'm not sure. I think that's yet to be seen. Uh, A lot of their ad ads come from pre-roll and the newsfeed. Yeah. Uh, So pre-roll is is basically the the ads that play before a video, Um, and so that's where a lot of Facebook's revenue comes from. So if they start switching to to Messenger. and make their focus on privacy and encryption through messaging then i mean yeah the the stock's been falling because shareholders are you know nervous about that obviously yeah yeah i mean that goes against what they thought they were investing in absolutely how do you think this impacts uh instagram because instagram i think still has that that discoverability that that twitter does as well to to talk to random people um i actually I think it could work with Instagram better than you know the Facebook platform as a whole. I think Instagram's actually a good place for for this uh, okay. because I actually don't discover a whole lot on Instagram outside of um, the people I follow. Mm-hmm. There's not really a good trending 
section because yeah. at the end of the day it's just pictures and videos and it and you were right when you want to learn something that's going on that's trending as far as news goes mm-hmm. um twitter is the place to go for sure but i think instagram is just a really great personal app that's the way i use it at least you know i'm sure people use it uh differently than i do but for me i just follow a really select few people um i think i only follow like 300 something people which uh compared to some of my other friends it's a lot less yeah um so I, I use Instagram in a really kind of close close quarters way. So I would not mind encryption on that. But as far as Facebook goes, I do consume a lot of news and um, stuff outside of my immediate family and friends on Facebook. So I, I, I do think Instagram is a little bit different story. Yeah, that's interesting. I think I think I use it similarly to how you do, but I know a lot of people. Um, and not to generalize, but, but I think girls especially use that discover page and they can kind of like see trends and, and style and photography and, and fashion and all that kind of stuff. Um, I know a lot of people do yeah. that. It definitely lends itself to that really well. But for me, mm-hmm. you know, I'm more interested in, you know, business news and technology news. Yeah. And a lot of times pictures and videos just, just don't do that, that kind of content justice. So, you know, Twitter and, um, you know, Facebook, the, the, the Facebook, everybody knows the platform uh, is where I consume that kind of content. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for me, Instagram's just, uh, it's pictures and videos of, of my friends. You know, it'll be interesting to see if, if the, the other platforms that Facebook has, you know, Instagram and, and WhatsApp and, <clears throat> and a handful more are, are impacted by this focus as well. Not just Facebook itself. Yeah. Well, and, and they own two, of the biggest messaging platforms in the entire world and WhatsApp and Facebook messenger. Yeah. So I'm wondering if they're going to keep those separate or combine the two and Instagram messenger is also huge. Uh, they probably have, you know, there's definitely a billion, Oh, well over a billion users on Instagram at this point. Mm-hmm. So I'd venture, you know, that's a billion people using that messenger. So they have yeah. three messenger platforms that have a billion people on them. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if they could figure out a way to just connect those into one. And I think that's what he's talking about where, there's an end-to-end messaging encrypted platform and Facebook, you know, newsfeed and Facebook platform and Instagram are just kind of add-ons to that horizontal versus, you know, uh, messaging platform. Yeah. So this pivot will be really interesting if it doesn't end up happening, uh, seeing how it plays out. For sure. So um, one kind of big question here to put you on the spot the the Chris Cox the that executive that left Facebook he was the chief product officer like you said so obviously there's probably a lot more details about what's to come with the product that we don't know that caused him to leave if you could project out a year and then maybe even to five years what do you think are are some massive differences with the Facebook product um, based on what this announcement was yeah um, so I think there's this overall trend in technology where um, businesses and content will come to you versus you go out and search for it. Um, yeah. That's actually one of the reasons I was so excited about joining uh, the company I'm at now, Avail. And it's part of this part of this larger trend where content comes to you because um, with messaging apps, with voice, uh, with all these search tools that are greatly enhancing the way we interact with content, I think that's where Facebook's going to have to move is – uh, you basically create and curate content and it just comes to you. So on Messenger, if you have certain companies that you interact with the most, you'll have just a messaging bot in the form of that company. Um, 
So if, if let's say, um, I consume a lot of TechCrunch, then TechCrunch will probably start to create really great uh, messaging chatbots. Uh, and yeah. and I, th I think that's where uh, Facebook will have to move. As AI improves and as voice improves, um, I think that's where a lot of tech companies are going to start to move. And so what I can see happening is Facebook will create this horizontal messaging platform and then Instagram and uh, the Facebook platform where all their content lives will just kind of feed this messenger app with, with content. Um, and so that's kind of how I see it. It's just kind of this, this uh, messaging platform that kind of str you know, strings together all of their platforms and content will come to you. So you start following uh, in a really kind of intimate way your favorite businesses, your favorite people, and uh, you'll get updates much like you do uh, with text messages, um, stories. You know, stories are, are very uh, local to Messenger. Yep. Um, and so I think that's where they're headed. Uh, is much more of of content coming to you versus you going out and finding it. Um, and I think that's you know that that fits well within a messaging platform where. Um, you know, he kind of alluded to Facebook going. Yeah, and I, I think along those lines, that, that's very similar to what my answer would be, whether it's messaging or you mentioned, uh, you know, text alerts or what, ha you know, what whatever it is. I think um, related to the content coming to you is just the, the seamless integration uh, of content and not just from publishers, but, but from your friends and your family and, and people that you want to discover. You know, you think back to, the early days of Facebook, you had to go onto your desktop computer and log in and, and see what people were saying over the past day since the last time you checked. Now everything's on your phone and, and you can get things more up to the minute um, and it's just right there on your app and you know maybe you'll even get a push notification. I think just the, the further integration of content um, is is where all that's going and so that probably does get easier to make it private as well um, when it just kind of is seamlessly integrated with other things that you're already interacting with um, and that, that you ha you know have that security already. Yeah. I mean, technology will always move in a direction where everything becomes more seamless and, and easy. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like I said, with, with voice and chat bots, as those improve, that will be where, thing, where things head. If, if you have a problem with something you bought from Home Depot, you're not going to go online and search out for Home Depot. Yeah. What you're going to do is you're going to open up your SMS, or you're going to open up Facebook Messenger, and it knows you probably purchased something from Home Depot. You can just type in Home Depot on your messaging platform, and it'll pull up uh, a chat conversation with Home Depot. You tell them your problem, and if a chatbot's able to answer it right there and then, you'll immediately get an answer. If not, it'll immediately connect you to somebody on customer service. And so it's just that integration of businesses and brands into your messaging platforms is where I think everything will begin to head. Um, and, you know, we talked about Yex on this platform or on this podcast. That's what Yex is enabling is all these businesses being able to connect with people no matter where they are through voice um, and through chatbots. So I think I think there's a lot of things um, pointing towards what Facebook's talking about, messaging and encryption. But at the end of the day, Facebook was started for a totally different reason. So it would be interesting to see whether or not they pull that off.